Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star review. We don't have too many. We want more. And as always, we talk judging and MMA, so you should read the criteria at abcboxing.com. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, it feels like a while since we've done this, even though it really hasn't been. I don't know, just for some reason, it just feels like an eternity. Yeah, well, we had no fights to watch at all this weekend. That's probably why we we just weren't in communication about it as much. You know, there was obviously some contacts, uh, some combat sports going on, but it was kind of farcical, uh, in the uh, in the boxing arena. Yeah, um, one of our guys that we're gonna would discuss in a little bit. Got a nice knockout. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Anderson, uh, the Spider Silva, doing a little bit more of his boxing work. It's nice to see this little resurgence. Although apparently this was an exhibition and not a pro fight, even though I think everyone was of the understanding that this was a pro fight before that, and now it's not. Uh, so and Tito missed weight pretty badly. Tito, I don't think ever intended to show up at 195 pounds. I'm pretty sure he said, "I'll do 200. I'll get to 200, and that's fine." Yeah, the money doesn't mean nothing to me. What I don't understand is, why are you doing this if, one, the money means nothing to you? And two, why are you accepting the fight at a weight you don't intend to make? Why don't you just be like, it's 200. I'm going to do it at 200. Unless it was basically just like, all right, I'm going to get paid the what I'm paid, and I'm okay with that number. He can just have the 20%. Like, what is the point of this? Maybe he thought he could knock out Anderson Silva. And it would have been like a big investment. And he'd get a shot at like Jake Paul or something. Well, I'm going to stop you at the so, part where you said know. maybe he thought. And then I'm going to say, no, he didn't. <laughs> well, he did, yeah. Tito doesn't think. No. no I mean, <laughs> look, after he had that that um, broken skull, uh, the fractured skull, it's just he hasn't been. He shouldn't have fought with the fractured skull. <laughs> That's the real issue. You shouldn't, I, I think yeah. he should have let the fractured skull heal, allow his brain to get back into place, let the, the, the fracture heal. And I think he would have been a lot better off. But now this is what we have. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, Anderson will get to fight Jake Paul. I would like to see Anderson fight Jake Paul for two reasons. One, I think he'd win. And number two, he would get a giant bag of money. And if Anderson Silva is going to get a bag of money, I'm fine with that. Yep. Because I don't think he got enough bags of money in the UFC. And this would make up for lost time. Yes. And I've said that guy's name way too many times. So I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But we are, of course, uh, back in action with fights this coming weekend, and we will talk about them uh, in a little bit. But we do have uh, a return to a, a segment we used to do all the time on this show. We've kind of minimized the number of times we do it just because we we covered a lot of like the big fights, I think, for this, right, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, we're going back to past judgments. So we're going to look at, in this case, an Anderson Silva fight. You know, it, it makes sense in the spirit of of talking about Silva, right? Yep. But we're not picking a, a fight that went to a decision. This is where it's got a little a little unorthodox, right? It's really just a to kind bit, of discover yeah. how far behind Anderson Silva really was when he came back and beat Chael P. Sonnen in their first fight 11 years ago. And I know you are the stack guy. Do we have uh, actual scores from the judges? We do have actual okay. scores from the judges. There, The scorecard is out there in the ether. Okay. Someone uh, put that up at the time, probably because they were so curious. Man, was Silva really down four rounds to nothing? And sure enough, he was. But 
it's a little more complex than that. We'll, we'll talk about it in round by round form as we get there, right? Yeah, let's 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 do it. So while you know, again, it's been a while since we've done this, and we used to do it all the time. We would still remind everybody, but Dan, why don't you go through the spiel and give everybody how we do uh, scoring fights for past judgment? Yeah, bear with me. I should have it memorized, but it's been a while. So no, give no, me one that's okay. Second. The CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott. Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, number one. Setting the stage here, it was at UFC 117, the headliner, of course. This was a mega fight at the time. Uh, Chael talked his way into a lot of interest, and, and I think Anderson, of course, being the dominant champion he was starting to get just a little bit more steam every time he would defend the belt. Uh, the two colliding made for this, made this a very, very attractive fight. Somewhat uh, of, an, of an innovator in the way of talking yourself into a big, big fight in mixed martial arts. Yeah. Yes. But obviously right, he, yeah, not, he, not in all he borrowed extremely heavily from the world of pro wrestling. Yes. Uh, and that is no secret. That is not something he's necessarily shied away from either. But uh, this one took place at Oracle arena. In Oakland, California, on August seventh, twenty ten. Dan, I was in California too, but I was in SoCal, not NorCal. SoCal. You say the weather's so nice. I was at a Dodgers game. Oh, did you get an ice cream helmet? Uh no, I didn't get an ice cream helmet. Oh, that's disappointing. But I got a I get a hot dog every time I go to a new ballpark. Okay, that's good. Dodger I dog. Don't, I remember liking it, but well, Dodger I also dog don't is remember signature. not liking a hot dog that I've gotten from a from a ballpark. Yeah, that's true. Especially a major league ballpark. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, that was Dodgers against, I'm going to say Brewers. Uh, I don't remember who won the game, but I can tell you that on my not smartphone, we're still talking about older phone for me. Uh, I was checking MMA junkies, uh, (laughs) play by play update of this fight on total refresh on the, the browser, the, on kind of the, we'll call it the dumb phone, right? Uh, the, the browser on the dumb phone, just kind of reloading as much as I can each time just to find out what's going on. I'm like following. I'm like, oh, man. And I picked Chael to win this one. I actually thought Chael was going to win. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh, he won round one. He, he's winning round two, one, three. Oh, my gosh. He's going to win this fight. <laughs> and then finally it reloads again. It's like, what? He won? This is, yeah. That I was at a Hooters watching this. Okay. And I, I couldn't believe the the people that were there were really into this whole event. They were like, like, this is the first one I remember where people were starting to get like real hyped. It was a good for event. MMA because they were they were into this. I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a solid event. I believe this was also the event that uh, Clay Guida had his jaw. Or no, Clay Clay Guida broke Rafael Dos Anjos' jaw. Ooh. If I remember right, Dos Anjos was looking pretty good in this fight. And this is this is before way before Dos Anjos was a title contender. He was still kind of on the come up, and I don't think anybody really thought he'd ever become a future champion necessarily, mm. but. He did look good in this fight. I remember him at least looking good in this fight. And then yeah, he had to, he he actually lost a submission because of the jaw injury. So uh, this also had a, a a not that you would have fun watching this fight, but uh, John Fitch beat Tiago Alves. Awesome. 
<laughs> not your favorite. And then uh, Matt Hughes, he won with that uh, that Dave Schultz yeah. uh, front headlock. You know that one? Yeah, over Ricardo Almeida. R- choked out Ricardo Almeida. It was that was uh, that was quite stunning. Mm-hmm. And Junior Dos Santos got a win here. I'm just I, I'm like almost just running down the whole event. <laughs> also on the undercard, I have to point out future champion Johnny Hendricks beat uh, someone who we know very well from training uh, at the same gym, Charlie Brenneman. Oh, I didn't even know that those two fought. Wow, they did. They did. Charlie had some tough fights. What year was this? Two, this it was 2010. I just said oh, 2010. That's you right. paid attention. Okay. I thought it was 2011 because um no no when I. The copyright on the beginning of the video on Fight Pass in 2011. So, uh, okay, no, this was 2010, uh, August 7, 2010, most definitely. Okay, um, and actually, uh, Phil Davis was on this card too. Phil Davis is competing this weekend, so everything comes full circle, right? Wow, we really picked a good one with having like no planning behind it. I think so, even though we're yeah. not talking about that fight at all. Yeah, we're, yeah he beat Rodney Wallace. Who cares? Um, nothing against Rodney Wallace. Back to this fight though, Silva coming in here. He's 35 years old. Which is crazy to think about. This was 11 years ago. He's 35. Because, yeah. As we all know, he's now in his mid to late 40s. Getting knockouts uh, still. Getting knockouts uh, of, of Tito Ortiz that anyone could have seen coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except for the person calling that fight. I watched that clip. I'm like, what are you doing? What do you mean you can't believe this? This is the most believable thing that's ever happened. Uh, <laughs> so it was 29 and 4. Uh, he's still in the middle of this incredible run of successful title defenses he had. Not consecutive in the sense of every fight was a title fence because he, you know, he had some light heavyweight bouts. He had the one where Travis Luter missed weight, so it wasn't a title defense, but he beat him anyway. Um, you know, had those kind of things. Sixth title defense, uh, successful defense of his title by this point, though, came in April of that year by decision over Damian Maya. Not the most engaging of fights. Uh, and he hadn't lost since January 06. So we're talking about, you know, four and a half years here. Uh, that was when he was DQ'd for an illegal upkick on Yushin Okami. You remember that one? Yep. Sonnet, 33 years old, a couple of years younger than Silva, the champion. Uh, 26, 10, and 1. Very much a journeyman's record here. A lot of submission losses, including uh, the one that he had lost about a year and a half earlier to Damian Maya. His run up to the title, though, was... was- pretty impressive it was but shot. it was also most people didn't really see it because it was on like the prelim yeah you know he he beat dan miller of course uh, another guy who used to train at uh at our gym or we trained at their same gym as him i guess uh <laughs> won that fight clear decision same thing in the next fight over yushin okami and then to uh to lock up the title shot here he won a fight of the night decision over nate marquardt six yep. months earlier mm-hmm Big, uh, big, quick rise for Son, and who you know he looked good, obviously in WEC. He came over on, uh, with a lot of strength off of that. He had uh, the wins over Paulo Filio. So I don't think anyone was like, oh, you know, it's terribly surprising that Sonnen's here. He was on a good run, but even still, uh, he definitely he made the most of his opportunity by drawing a lot of eyeballs with his mouth, right? Yeah, that gift of gab that he yes. obviously puts on display um, most weeks now, right? <laughs> yeah, I like judges it. for this one, sir. Nelson, Doc Hamilton, John Shorley, and Dan Stell. And the referee was Josh Rosenthal. All right. So round one, Dan, how bad did it get for Silva? Uh, I mean, they they square off. And it, this isn't a typical Silva star where he's just feeling everyone out. He came out swinging. Chael came out swinging. And, and Chael came out landing. Yeah, and Chael landed a nice left, wobbled uh, Silva, landed a few more shots on the feet. 
decided to go for the takedown. I guess, I mean, he was going to at some point regardless. Well, get Silva the was down. kind of going for the takedown too, right? Is it, am, he, I, am I remembering he, the right round? Or? Uh, he pulls guard, kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. And then uh, gets on top of Chael, threatens a guillotine, gets, on t- gets back on the feet, rocks him again, and gets the double leg. From there, he's just beating him up. Good ground and pound. He's try- He's getting into dominant positions. He's trapping the arm. You know, uh, Silva can't really defend himself all that great because he keeps trapping the arm. We landed some good shots. I think he checks all three Ds. I think he checked damage. I think he checked dominance from the top. And I think he checks uh, duration. He had some good bursts of offense. I, I do too. I think this is a very clear 10-7 in our system, which mm-hmm. would be, uh, I think, quite a clear 10-8 uh, in the, you know, the modern interpretation of the uh, scoring criteria that judges use. Um, yeah, I, I feel really good about this one. I I will say, and just to put it in proper context, I think that uh, Goldie and Rogan are probably overreacting just a little bit on the whole to how badly Silva is hurt because it's so surprising. It's very surprising, yeah. No one think, expected it. I think that's where that comes from. So, uh, yes, Silva's in, in a little bit of trouble, absolutely. <laughs> but I don't know that he was like on the cusp of being finished at any point, which I think if you were just listening to Goldie and, and Rogan, especially Rogan, you would well, no, probably both of them. Uh, you would probably get the wrong impression. It, so. But yeah, I mean, it's a clear round. It was like the soundboard was broken. If you had just Joe Rogan sayings, like someone was just spamming the he heard, he him. heard him. He heard him. He heard him. <laughs> Every single punch. He kept saying he heard him. Yeah, uh, he Some of them did hurt. Uh, Maybe Joe better. is a robot. Maybe there's just a few <laughs> buttons he pushes. It's possible. Bring, yes. bring up the uh, the diamond MMA cup once in a while. Yes. That button hasn't been used as much lately, I feel like. It's it's possible because maybe they they were told him, hey, stop giving him free advertisement. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, but yeah, so I, again, I agree with you. I think there's a clear 10-7 in the CSJ criteria. Yes, 10-7. The scores at the time, only one judge, and that was uh, Doc Hamilton, gave this an actual 10-8. Uh, and again, the, the criteria was revised about six years after this fight so you know we're talking about a different time a different way of interpreting the scoring um did not expect to hear I, that i would still have to think that this should have been a 10-8 i mean i don't know what judges surely and stell are looking for when they're looking for a 10-8 but this this certainly seemed like a pretty clear like you know one-sided uh butt whooping right yeah that and silver really didn't do much except to hang on and try to defend yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was in a lot of a lot of defense, and you don't score with defense. Mm-hmm. So, but that is what it is. We we have two ten nines and and one ten eight. This was the only ten uh, eight actually. I'll, I'll just give it away here. This was the only ten eight of the fight that we got from any judge in the whole fight. In the whole fight, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it does make sense in the context of things because round two, what's happening, Dan? Chael gets an early takedown, and he's back to right what he was doing. Ground and pound pretty much the entire round. Punches and elbows. Pretty strong ones. Anderson's not doing much. Uh, he had like maybe maybe a couple elbows from the bottom. They weren't. They didn't seem all that solid. I don't think Chael's effect was as strong as it was in round one. So I'm only going 10-8 here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I also saw this as a 10-8 round. There was not the same level of um, fight-ending damage being delivered. Yeah. And, but it was just such a clear round. I mean, I think this is kind of what you have a 10 8 for is like, well, this was a good, solid round. Solid round. It's really yeah. hard to kind of go the other way. Uh, to You wouldn't you wouldn't even think about this being a 10 8. No. Uh, excuse me, a 10 9 uh, for Silva. Clear, 
dominance on the ground and with the, with the strikes, but just not to the degree. So yeah, ten eight. I'm with that. Yeah, and I, Anderson with like ten seconds left gets a Kamora grip that that wasn't close, and then nah. he, he gets a leg entanglement, but just just holds it for position, doesn't really do anything with it. So not much. And that there. is not effective offense, is it? Right. So yeah, if we both have ten eight, and then we had ten seven the previous round, so we have Sonnen up twenty to fifteen through two rounds, up five. That's a big lead. Quite, <laughs> that's a, quite. That's not lead. one you're going to see in natural scoring. Definitely not. No. Uh, but the as I said, all three judges gave this one a ten nine. I mean, it makes sense. You wouldn't you wouldn't go ten eight. I think in our system, or excuse me, in in even the modern uh, interpretation of the criteria. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so they uh Shorley and Stell, their card says twenty to eighteen. Hamilton has it twenty to seventeen just because he he was the one who gave the ten eight in the first round. So we're looking at a good lead here. Round three. How does it go? Silva comes out pretty aggressive this round. Like, oh, I'm getting beat up. Throws that gotta change it around. Yeah, so bit. he's throwing a little bit more aggressive. That spinning kick to the body's pretty much all he had. But after that, rinse and repeat from round two. I just I didn't I didn't see as much damage in round three as I did in round two. Uh, but it was pretty much the same round. I, I just wish there was a higher higher degree of damage and I would have went 10-8 for Sonic, but I just went 10-9. You know, I, I can I can respect that. I don't I don't think this is quite the same level of CSJ 10-8 as the previous round was, but I did still go for the 10-8. I, 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 it's a little more borderline, but I went for the 10-8. I just think when you have a round like this where Sonnen is still clearly dominant for most of the round on the ground, um, and, and there's really just not that much happening from Silva as, as aggressive as he was. It really he really didn't create a whole lot of effective offense out of it. Right. And I think when you look at the totality of the round, this was a very, very clear sun and round. And I, I feel very comfortable going for uh, a 10 eight on sun and on this one. All right. That is fair. I could see it. Mm hmm. Um, and that puts me at 3023. You're at 3024 for Sonnen. Uh Yeah. So Sonnen's only up seven points. Yeah, that means he's it. already locked up a decision victory in our system. I mean, yeah. For me. In NBA. For you, that, that's a it could be a draw at best if Son or Silva goes out there and just beat the brakes off for the final 10 minutes. Yeah. And if that happens, it probably should get stopped. Well, probably. Yeah. But, but he still has a path. Know. He still has know. a path outside yeah. of a finish. He does. In my in my scorecard, he does not. Um, and that is pretty much the way it is on the, the scorecards of the judges uh, who were at the fight. 3027s uh right now for Sonnen from Judges Shortly and Stell. Doc Hamilton's got 3026. So, you know, barring those 10 eights like we're talking about, which would have been even more rare then, uh, we're not looking at any sort of uh path for Sonnen or excuse me, Silva to win on points. He's he's finished minded at this point. Yep. Or he would be if he knew the scores because they yeah. don't know the scores. <laughs> he had to know this though. Uh, I would he think behind. he knew he was not winning and, yeah. and his coaches probably knew that as well. He's, <laughs> he's been in enough fights to realize that he's not doing what he wants to do. Uh, round four, a little different here. Quite different. I think. Yes. Silva hurts Chael like right out the gate. Yes. T hurts him twice. First time of the fight. Took yeah. him, took him 16 minutes to do so. It did. And, and Chael's wobble. He got hit a couple times. Chael's desperately trying to get a takedown ends up on his back. Uh, ends not up ideal. Get, does get a sweep, and that's how he gets back on top. What about a minute into the into the round? Yeah, and from there, wild first minute. From there, he returns to his ground and pounds. Except there's not really big shots. You can tell he's kind of just trying to, you know, shake the cobweb yeah, out, yeah. bite a little bit of time, get 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 his mind right, get maybe back in steal there. the round back. M yeah, maybe. Uh, 
there was a few shots where I, he just kept throwing right hand after right hand right on Silva's head. And I'm like, I think Silva should probably try to like block these. But uh, Block him with his head. What do you mean? <laughs> but from the bottom. Oh, with hands, you're saying. With hands. Yes, yes. Not with his face. Oh. Huh. But this is a different round on Silva's back because he's actually aggressive and he's offensive. He's landing some good solid elbows. Cuts Chael. Chael's bleeding over his eye. I think this was a silver round. I do too. I, but I think it has a lot more to do with what happened even in that first minute because when you talk about the fight ending offense in the round, the effective right. striking and grappling, uh, which I, there really wasn't a ton of truly effective grappling in this this round. I think it was just a little less. It was grappling, but it was a lot. Not as much kind of leading anywhere, right? Right, yeah. Now, Chael was Chael was trying to ride this out. Yeah, so, so when you're looking at the effective offense of this round, I think this is a very interesting round that – I'll I'll just say now, all three judges scored this one for Sonnen. They gave this round to him because, you know, at the time, I think it was probably a lot more customary that you're sitting on top, you're in the round for four, you're on top for what, three, four minutes? That's a way to win the round, you know? But yeah, I don't, was. I don't know that that would be the case today. I I, I imagine if, if nothing else, it would have been split. But I would like to think that modern judges with the modern interpretation and, and wording of the criteria... Um, and, and the fact that I think on the whole judging has gotten better in the sport, I think you'd find judges more likely to give this round to Silva than Sonnen because of that early work, because he had yeah. Sonnen hurt. I mean, this was this was a case where Sonnen was not in a good way for a little bit. I toyed with a 10-8 for Sonnen. Oh, no. See, I didn't go there. I I toyed with it. I, I didn't make it there because I said, well, Chill was still very offensive on top, even though I didn't think it was all that effective. But he was still there, landing some decent I think, shots. I think it's very hard to go personally, and, and obviously you didn't end up going there, but I think it's hard personally to go to the 10-8 in our system for this round for Silva just because everything he did was isolated to that first minute. And yes, he had Silva, or he had Sonnen in trouble, but it's not like he was like near finish kind of situation either. I think if it was, let's say he was uh... a lot more hurt, or maybe hurt for longer in, in, in terms of like, man, is he really okay here? I can understand it being a lot harder to kind of climb back from that. But I, I, I think the nine is probably appropriate. I, I thought he was in a bad way. Okay. I mean, I I'm, yeah, I'm not saying he was in a good and way, I, but I think, I think I would have been looking for more is really what I mean. Yeah. Okay. That is, hey, I mean, you, we ended up on the same yeah train anyway, right? Same train, 10, nine silver. So we're, uh, he gained a point back. So he's only up. Son's only up five points from on my card. Yeah, you got 39-34. I have 39-33. Um, there's no way to gain seven or eight or six or seven points uh, in the final round. We don't have 10 fours. Um, I guess point deductions potentially could could kind of take them in some direction. But I think when you lose three points, you probably just lose the fight. Isn't that right? Or maybe I have that wrong. I might have that wrong. Um, how many how many points can you lose in a, in a round? That's, that's something I really need to ask uh, an official. How many points can you lose in a round before you're, before you're just disqualified or something? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, kind would, of shameful that we haven't asked yet. I would bet. I would imagine that it's a. I, I would. I don't know if this is true or not. But if you get don't a, spread misinformation. If you get a point taken in round one, mm -hmm. and then you get a point taken in round two, and then you commit that foul again in round three, I would imagine it's probably just straight to DQ. But I'm not 100. I don't know about that, that either. I don't, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to spread any falsehoods. Hopefully, we'll just reach out to a judge, or a judge could reach out to us, or any any uh, official referee, whoever. If if you can set us straight, uh, give us a little learning. We're always learning on this show. We've got a lot to learn. So yeah, if you know the answer, send it our way. Yeah, really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, the the actual judges for this one again, all ten nines for Sonnen, like I mentioned. So 
That means 40 to 36 on Shirley and Stell's card and 40 to 35 on uh, Judge Hamilton's card. Uh, again, I, I do think it'd be different today, but it is what it is. And it really didn't matter because we all know what happened in round five, don't we? Round five, he gets submitted by a truck. That's like the most boring way that you could <laughs> ever have said that. I so, want more. All right. You give me more. Round starts and Chael comes out and he rocks Silva again. Silva's hurt again. Chael's back on top. Which is funny because I feel like there's been a very slow trend from like sun and dominance to like ever so slowly the tide finally going back to Silva. And then he loses it in the beginning of the and, round. And I'm watching it. And now knowing what's going to happen, I'm just, I'm watching. With anticipation, With, right? And, yeah. and Silva has uh, a grip on Sonnen's wrist for like what seems like 45 seconds. And Sonnen never addresses it. And eventually Silva stuffs it, locks up the triangle. And I'm like, wow, he was just And it's waiting. so quick, too. Like, cause he obviously he's setting it up for a while, but then the, the strike is so quick. So Chael defends properly, except leaves his arm extended, and, and it, it gets hyperextended, and he taps. He only taps once, which was, I remember was a huge debate. Like, he has to tap three times to be out. And I was like, Says that's who? not a thing. <laughs> I knew that 10 years ago, and I was just kind of, mm -hmm. and I didn't really know all the rules. But people were like, yeah, he has to tap three times. Like, that's WWF. That's not <laughs> MMA. Is that right in WWF? They have to tap three times. Well, I don't know how it how the rules are now, but I know it, you know when they check the arm one, two. And then oh well, that's oh. not tapping. That's that's just checking if they're out. Yeah, I mean, it's like I that's and the idea people had. Up. Yeah, or test or, or obviously Hulk. Definitely Hulk. I've been watching Attitude Era, so these oh. are the guys that I've seen do this. This is why. okay. Test. Wow, guy's dead. A lot of them are dead. And unfortunately, rest rest in peace to all of them. Oh my God, yeah. and and. You know who we saw trending, of course, the other day I was telling you was Al Snow, who I was worried. I'm um, great. Al Snow's trending. He's got to be dead. That's sort of immediately where your mind goes. And I hate that, but it is what it is. Al Snow, it saved a kid's life in Florida. How awesome is what that? What a guy. That's awesome. That is awesome. Hats off to you, Al Snow. He's probably Head's listening. Hat is off to you, too. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. So, so this, this uh, to go all the way back to the submission here. Yeah. He gets, he gets the arm bar. They don't release it right away. The ref has to, Josh Rosenthal has to, you know, pry them apart. Mm -hmm. Silva wins and, and Chael is very uh, graceful in, defe in defeat. Uh, initially. Ultimately. Initially. <laughs> uh, and then he talks himself into a second fight and gets in. Oh, you know, I beat the guy up for 22 minutes and he wins because he wraps his legs around my neck. <laughs> it's an oversimplification. Was, yeah. But yeah, this is a this is a great fight. It was a great fight. It's it's kind of a it's a funny great fight because it's not a traditional classic where it's like he's just, you know they're just beating each other up like crazy for five rounds. But this is a fight that if you love the sport, I think is a real classic because it it had a lot going for it and there was drama to a lot of the things. Even even when things were kind of stalling, you're just like, man, this is amazing. Like you when you're watching it live or you're watching it for the first time, you're like. I can't believe this is happening. Because like I said, I didn't get to watch this live and I knew what had happened. But like, I couldn't wait to get my hands on the video for this one uh, <laughs> through totally legitimate means, I'm sure. And uh, and and watch what happened in this fight. I just I, I couldn't believe what had happened. I, I had to see it for myself. And even knowing the result, I'm like, man, this was intense. This is crazy. It was it was, it was a fight. And I, it's probably the greatest comeback in UFC history. I can't think of any off the top of my head. <sighs> Well, I mean, Frankie Edgar, of course, yeah. just a few months later, it's a different type of comeback, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just, that's different. It, there there are different types of comebacks. There's there's this one where he needed the rally. This was like, this was like your, your 
the great, I want to say this was like the greatest ninth inning rally, you know, to, to borrow okay. baseball terminology. This is the greatest ninth inning rally because he's losing, he's losing, he's losing, he's losing. All of a sudden, he puts it together. He hits that game-winning home run. Dinger. But Frankie Edgar, that was more of a, man, gotta, they gave up 15 runs in the first inning. Yeah, and I got Well, the game's away. over. I mean, you're just yeah. going to use your, your garbage pitching and just try to get out, get out of the game and move on. But, like, no, battle back. It's a different type of thing. Chip away. Mm-hmm. Two of the greatest comebacks, I would say, in UFC history happened about five months apart. It's a good year. Good two years, it was, I guess. Man, I, I tell you, that's like the golden age of modern MMA is, is from, I'm going to say, probably like 2007 through, let's say, 2012 or something like that. I, I'm, I'm kind of ballparking it here. I think that was like a good five, six-year stretch. And I'm biased because this was when I was really getting into the sport. I started watching in 2008 or so, but I think it was still really heating up in 07. Yeah, but that's um, when you, you knew who every single fighter was. Now you got 900. In the UFC, yeah. yeah. You got 900 fighters or something now. And I'm like, oh, I never heard of this guy. Who's that guy? How am I supposed to remember all these people? Well, I mean, the I problem think. is, of course, there's too many events. Um, and I think, well, I, think- I, I like the idea of having like all the best in the world in one spot only if they're going to be paid appropriately. So until then, because it's not going to happen with the UFC, you, you do kind of need them to be split uh, just as somebody who actually wants the fighters not to just be completely exploited. Uh, it, it, a, an organization like Bellator, like PFL, like One, you know, all these organizations, that they, they all have their faults and they will never, ever, ever be the UFC. But they're kind of a, a necessary part of the modern landscape, the current landscape. But... I do miss the UFC days. I miss when it was Strike Force 2. You know, I, I think probably when I say 2007, I think the idea is that pride fell and that the best guys more or less did still end up in the UFC from there. So it was really like a joining of, of forces, sort of like when the NFL and the AFL joined up. I'm borrowing sports analogies from all over the place here. Um, and, it, and it brought everybody together. And I think it just made things a lot better. I miss pride, but having all the people in one roof, the best guys, the stars from each organization, it was very cool. And I think that went for a little while, probably until the end of the the Spike deal, uh, when they switched over to Fox. Fox changed everything for, you know, better and worse. Yeah, well, and going back to your exploited comments, the fighters have to not want to be exploited before anything else. So They collectively aren't interested enough in doing so. You're right, and that's really what it is. Uh, I, I continue to hope against hope that they'll figure it out and try to better their own situations because I look at it and I'm like, man, you don't even know. You don't even know how better it could be. It could be a ton better. Anyway, it could be. we have anyway. another fighter. We have two fights this weekend. We have two big cards this weekend. Yeah, I mean, when we say big cards, I mean from the bigger organizations. UFC will be in Vegas again for UFC Vegas 37. 37th Apex event. Uh, well, Apex Fight Pass. Fight pass. Yeah, or yeah. not Fight Pass event. Uh, fight Night event, I should say. Uh, because that doesn't include those pay-per-views. Yeah. So it was really it's... close to like 50 by now. Yeah, the they 40s, do. 50s, and if you, can, if you can count Contender Series in tough. No, no I wouldn't. And I there's wouldn't a lot of that's... events. Yeah, but that's... Uh, it gets sticky if you go that way. This is UFC proper. Okay. I think UFC proper is the way to think of it. Um, but the other card is Bellator 266, which now has officially passed UFC or will officially pass UFC in numbered events. They're getting to 266 just about a week before UFC does. All right. Doesn't mean anything. Bellator has fewer shows. They also put on, you know, all these tournaments and things for years and all that stuff. They will never have more shows than the UFC. Uh, But it is, you know, it's a curiosity that they're at 266 before UFC is. That's really all it is. Just a curiosity. But the debate here, and this this event is in California. It's in San Jose. 
Uh, so it's kind of got that strike force feel to it. Um, I don't know which of these events has the best main event. Because in UFC, we've got oh, Anthony easy. Smith against Ryan Spann. And at Bellator, we've got Phil Davis against Yoel Romero, both at 205 pounds. What are you most interested in? Just those two fights. Bellator. What's the one that interests you the most? Bellator. Be- Bellator by a mile. I think it has to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, Anthony I Smith is I will say this, great, though. But... I can totally see the Bellator fight being, like, just a terrible fight aesthetically. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you got Yoel Romero, who doesn't mind just staring at someone for the entirety of a round. And we've seen so, our fair share of Phil Davis decisions that are not the most engaging. When he fights somebody like like a Leota Machida, um, not much happens. This has all the makings of a terrible fight. It does, but it's got the bigger names. You're you're more interested in it because of that. And and Yoel Romero does have some uh, crazy finishes. So there, yeah. And and I am curious to see what he would be like at 205 pounds. He obviously missed out on the chance to be able to compete in the light heavyweight Grand Prix. So. This is kind of a de facto, you know, alternate bout, I guess you could call it. Because I'm sure if something happens and Yoel has won this fight, they'll be like, yeah, Yoel, you want to step in? He'll be like, yeah, man, I got it. <laughs> he won't say that. He'll say something. And his native tongue is is Espanol. So he'll say it in Spanish, I would think. Yeah, so. But yeah, I, I, I do. I, it's funny. I, I agree with you. I This is the bigger fight. But I actually think that ultimately we're going to be talking about the Smith-Span fight as the fight that we enjoyed more. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you there. Bellator 2 is, you know, it's a little more top-heavy. Um, I think it has a solid main card uh, with some of the fights on there, like like Neiman Gracie. I like to watch him. He, he can be interesting. Um, there's a decent women's flyweight uh, bout between Alejandra Lara and uh, Deanna Bennett. Georgie Karahanian's been around forever. He's always interesting to watch, but that's really it. Everything else is, you know, some guys you sometimes see in Bellator, some rising prospects, things like that, but that's about it. UFC, I don't think they have tip. Uh, all that many like super awesome, amazing, strong fights that you're really looking forward to, but they've got a deeper level of talent on this card. Yeah, they well, they they did have that, and then they don't have it anymore. <laughs> well, it's not. Dan is of course still uh, crestfallen about the fact that Jim Miller had to finally pull out of a fight for the first time because he contracted COVID nineteen. Um, I think we all know that wasn't. Jim's choice to uh, have to pull out of a fight, but it is what it is. Jim would have fought with COVID. Yeah, he would have. He fought with Lyme's disease. He fought with all sorts of stuff. But you can't fight with COVID, so we're not going to let him do it. It is what it is. I think he understands. Um, but, you know, there's, there's still some decent fights on here. Ariane, it's Ariane Lipsky, the uh, the violence queen. I'm always interested when she comes uh, on the cards here. Joaquin Buckley uh, obviously had the that knockout of the year last year. Buried on the prelims is Penny Kanzad against Raquel Pennington, which is, I think, a bigger fight at women's bantamweight than it probably deserves for its placement. Although I can understand maybe it may not be the most attractive fight for uh, a lot of fans. I think it's still deserving of of a place because we have two very talented women's bantamweights. Yeah, this card is is so big. It's 15, 15 bouts. There's way too many fights. Oh, man. In the Kasanganai, too. Yeah, Armand Sarukian. Yeah, there's so many of them. De- Yankute Alaba. Oh my gosh, he won't to Lava. Yeah, that guy is, uh, he's an aggressive monster. So, and it, there's probably going to be a bunch of interesting fights. I just hope there's not that many uh, interesting rounds. Lots of finishes <laughs> I'm rooting for. Well, I think we're going to get a lot of finishes because a lot of these uh, cards with that are, you know, maybe filled with some, some of those, like you're alluding to these, who are these guys, who are these women kind of things. It's a lot of prospects, and prospects are probably a little bit more likely to 
uh, finish one another because they might just not be matched up as as easily or evenly or equally as the fighters that we know and are higher up. It's e- it's a little easier, I think, to match make at the top of the card than the bottom of the card. Yeah, but hopefully we're entertained and hopefully it uh, doesn't feel like too much of a marathon. Yeah, picture <laughs> at quick. least we, at least I'm energized because I had the week on, weekend off. I didn't watch the fights. In, I know, uh, but I mean, I, and I got I, I got this this fight's got to compete with, with football. Um. Oh yeah, you're but all about anyway, the college football. That's right. I mean, we're we're just getting warmed up with that. Mm. But anyway, real real quick, your pick for UFC main event. My pick for UFC. Uh, I will go with Anthony Linehart Smith. Oh, I'm gonna Ant- say second round TKO because I uh you don't want to see him get to round three or four. Anthony Smith first round knockout is what I'm going. With. Okay, all right. And then I'm. Gonna what about in the Bellator? What do you got, in Bellator? Yoel Romero in uh incredibly boring decision. And I believe this is only three rounds. Yep. So it's not, you know, Bellator typically doesn't do a five-round non-title main event. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to go with Phil Davis by uh, an incredibly boring decision as well. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. And and the judges, we should say, because there's competing cards, they're on the same night, they're both on Saturday, although I think they're staggered. Someone's not going to be judging in Nevada and then go all the way to California, as close as it is. Uh, they're not going to do that. So I imagine we're going to get a lot of the top judges that we typically see in Nevada over in California. Uh, similarly to what we had back at the end of July when Bellator had their card go up against the UFC that night as well. Uh, it may not be the same degree, but yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, there will, of course, be some good local judges uh, and some other traveling judges, I think, in Vegas. You know, Vegas would have, you'd have to think Junichiro Camillo, um Dave Hagen, you know, the, the kind of the local guys there, Tony Weeks, um, and probably some traveling judges. Whereas in California, you know, I'm I'm going to guess that they have probably Ron McCarthy, who's a California guy, Mike Bell, California guy. Um, these are the kind of guys that I would expect to see. Who knows where Sal D'Amato ends up, you know, Eric Colon, Derek Cleary, uh, Chris Lee, these guys. I don't know where they'll end up, but but it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll get good judging in both locations. That's my guess. And that does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Monday to break down all the action from this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, I imagine we'll probably be focused on UFC, maybe do a couple of the rounds from the, or maybe a fight from Bellator card, but we're not going to have time for everything. That's crazy. Enough. Yeah, 20, 29 <laughs> fights. Uh, that's a bit much. No, thank you. But uh, I think we'll enjoy those fights. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend uh, or great week, and then uh, enjoy the fights. Thanks for listening.